Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. It is Thursday, February 1. So we've got barely a month until the start of the NRL season in Vegas. Now there's Premier League on this morning. G Tottenham, Ange Postacoglu's side at home are a goal down against Brentford after 38 minutes. Brentford had a goal disallowed for offside by the VAR as well. Uh, so 1-0 Brentford. They're at Tottenham and Manchester City have gone 2-0 up. Alvarez scoring both goals for City against Burnley this morning. And Liverpool and Chelsea kicks off in about six minutes' time. And the market with Tab, Liverpool $1.65, Chelsea four fifty, And the draw's paying $4.25. Mitch Marsh won the Allen Border medal last night. Ash Gardner, the Belinda Clark medal. Uh, we've got, as I mentioned, a month until... Vegas and uh, just some representative for coaching news. So Cameron Smith is leaving Billy Slater's coaching set up there at Queensland to focus on family and grassroots coaching. He's coaching the Corumban Eagles there on the Gold Coast. So Matt Ballin comes into Billy Slater's staff. He's, of course, an assistant at Brisbane currently. And News Corp reporting laws that Malmeninga has been retained as coach by the ARL Commission. As there is the Kangaroos coach, of course, our last match was that 30-0 defeat mm. was to New Zealand in the final of that Pacific Championships competition. Overall, the Kangaroos, 22 from 25 uh, with Mal as coach. And he'll be looking to lead three straight World Cup victories. So you can, you can say the loss to New Zealand was an anomaly. It was that late in the season. I mean, I, I think I was at Flemington that day watching the races or working at the races. So yeah, disappointing. It, got, it was disappointing. Disappointing it, the result. Like you can accept, uh, you can accept at times losing, but when you lose like that and the players don't play as well as they should have, um, it was very disappointing. But that'll spur them on next year, no doubt. Um, but Mal deserves the opportunity to continue to coach the Kangaroos. Like his record is is second to none. So. I don't think there's any surprise there, but it's a good wake-up call for Australia because, you know, they just can't, you know, take things for granted and just expect to be winning tournaments all the time. We've seen the rise of the Pacific Nations and New Zealand have got a lot of players now that are making themselves eligible for them. Uh, And it's tougher to win games. It's tougher to win games at the international level. Um, But again... Australia, when they play, they should be more competitive than what they were in that final last year. That was a shock result. Mm-hmm. To be beaten by 30 is their biggest ever loss. Uh, unacceptable. So, Mao's set to continue. And also, uh, Loz Josh Schuster, another player we'll be watching a lot this year that certainly is under some pressure. He's battling to be fit for round one in Vegas against Souths. It's been revealed the 22-year-old fractured his finger in their first session back this year. And this and this is after, well, before Christmas, he had chicken pox. And he needs to play the final trial against the Roosters, Feb 17, to have a chance to be on the plane to the US to Vegas. He's also had a calf strain as well in coming back after finger surgery. And when fit, we expect Schuster to be in the back row there at Manly with, of course, Luke Brooks coming in and expected to be next to Daly Cherry Evans there in the halves. But it's a big year for Josh Schuster. Yeah, and a different position for him, playing, I'm assuming, left edge back row. So that'll be a challenge for him. Um, Getting into a game, staying involved in a game, uh, getting used to working harder in defence, that'll be an issue for him. Um, But he's got the talent He's talented as anyone we've seen in the last 
20 years, but it's now a matter of, uh, of pl- applying himself, making sure he's in the best possible shape physically. Uh, they are talking about he needs to play in a trial against the Roosters, I think, on the Feb or 17th of Feb or something up there in Gosford. If he doesn't make that game, then more likely than not, he'll miss that trip over to Vegas. He'll stay behind and try and get himself ready for the first game, well, their second game of the uh, NRL season. But there's no doubt that Manly, on paper, look as though they're going to have a very, very good year. And if they can keep everyone on the paddock, I think they will. Luke Brooks will be a very good signing for them. You know, you throw Tommy in at the back. You've got Schuster with his ability to ball play on an edge. I think it looks good for Manly. But if they've worked hard in the off-season, then they'll reap the rewards. What's that wooden hammer you've got over there in the corner, Loz? Is that a new addition to your stable? No, it's been there for years. Mine, mate. Not it, mine. You know what it was? I think we got given a smash cake Ah, for, I don't know, was it someone's birthday or yeah. Christmas? I can't remember. And that was the hammer. So we've ah, left gotcha. it in here. It's yeah, been no, there for a couple of not years. Mine, and are they new glasses or the same glasses as last year? No, same glasses. Yeah, right. Okay. Why are you taking an interest in how me? How come you haven't commented <laughs> either of you on my on my beard? You're that's very salt beard. and pepper at the moment. What are you talking you? about? That's not a beard. <laughs> Mate, how many days is that's this year? stubble. This is only three days. Mm. I can't shave at the moment no. because I've had skin cancer. I, I love out, in the... I'm, I'm growing it. I, I love in I'm the holidays. It's a bit itchy though. But... Yeah, I know. I love in the holidays not shaving. Do you? Yeah. I don't like... I feel. I feel older and fatter when I don't shave. I don't know why. I reckon hair yeah. on my face makes me just feel. I just get lazy. Out. I hate shaving yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's a pain. I in shave the if I go out. Don't obviously, you? yeah. I don't know. I just feel. I just feel. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Makes me feel older. You've really got the salt and pepper thing going. Yeah, well, I need a shave and a haircut, yeah. which is haircut. rare for me. I need a haircut. haircut. Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. See, that's why it's so great because it's long on the sides. So, and by the way, there's my, there's my afternoon plans, boys. Tonight, tomorrow, I'll be. Back to my best. Back to your best. Yeah. yeah. Big sports breakfast health health announcement. Get your skin checked, folks. Yeah. You've had, some, well, you've had more. Gee, went, you get them burn off all the time, pup. I try. I go minimum every six months. I try and go every three months. Mm. And I went on Monday. I had eleven frozen off my face, and one cut out of my nose. So, um, oh, mate, I hate it. I hate the feeling. And again, like mm. you, you don't look great for a week. White heels. You gotta, you gotta, you can't do much. That's why, yeah, I can't shave or anything. But it one of I those... just have to go now. I have to have regular checks. I have to see a dermatologist. I, I just my body has spent time in the sun. And is it just your face, or is it all over? On Monday, it was just my face, but I get a full body check every worst case every six months, but now normally every three months. And they zap them off my body, but more my face because I played. A lot of the time I was in long sleeve shirt as well when I played mm. and white pants. So it was my face and neck that was in the sun the most. So majority of mine are taken from that area. Yeah. But I get my whole body checked all the time. Was it one of those doctors you think enjoy it? Like, you know, no. putting you through the no. the pain? No. I, 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 I changed skin doctors because I reckon I had one that just you know, loved, nah, I, really my, enjoyed sort of giving it to me, so to speak. Well, I tell you, or you might have enjoyed giving me the needle. That local local anaesthetic mm. anytime, it's just a jab, right? Don't get me wrong. But into your nose, like you do anything with oh. your nose, it makes your eyes water. Oh. Mate, the needle going in there. Oh. You know what I did do? And I, I, it's the first time I, I've done it, and I think I just went with my gut. I think I made the right decision. I took my daughter 
because she wasn't back at school, but I wanted her, because I tell her about how important sunscreen is, right? But I'm like, my mum and dad used to tell me, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Mm. So I took her so she could see, not sit and watch, as in stare at me, get my, get them frozen, lays it off, or get the needle. Mm. But I wanted her to see that, you know, dad was in a bit of pain or watching dad have something done because he didn't wear enough sunscreen as a kid. Mm. To show her another way, Kelsey Lee, if you don't put your sunscreen on, you'll be here. Like she'd say, Daddy, does that hurt? I go, yeah, it hurts. And the doctor said, here, give me your hand, Kelsey Lee, I'll zap you. And she's like, no way, no way. But I think with that as well, just the importance. And you're probably stricter with your child than you are with yourself. But, yeah, I don't know. This, yeah, what do you do, Mido? you just got to now go see your GP or go That's see a dermatologist it. and regular checks if you've got skin like mine. All right, time to talk some AFL. The season not too far away as well. We've got some intra-club trials happening at the moment. And uh, there'll be some uh, organised club v. club uh, pre-season matches just around the corner as well. And uh, GWS, well, what a season they ended up having in 2023. And they just fell short in a thrilling preliminary final against Collingwood. One point was the margin. I'm sure they've been stewing over that all off-season and pre-season. And they do start their season at home against Collingwood, Saturday, March 9. Joining us, well, he was an Adelaide Crows great. Now, of course, GWS assistant coach, Ben Hart. Ben, very good morning to you. How are you? Yeah, good morning, so I was going very well, thank you. Heading into your second season now there at the club at GWS, how would you describe, I guess, the squad's growth when you think back to last preseason, yeah, it's been um, pretty strong. Is the way I put it. It's um, we didn't really add apart from drafting, so bringing in some younger players. We didn't actually add uh, anything from outside with regards to established players, if you like. So the growth was always going to come from within. Um, we feel like the, as you mentioned, the prelim final sort of stung a little bit. Not because we lost clearly, but um, the way we played it. it really wasn't how we'd been sort of going the, the four or five weeks prior. So there were some things that we were a little bit disappointed with. And to get so close um, means there's a, there's a fair hunger inside the guys. They um, rocked up and started pre-season in really good shape. And, you know, they've attacked what we've thrown at them. So, yeah, looking forward to it getting started. Yeah, morning, Ben. The Giants played some good football, in particular at the back end of the season. What did you identify in the off-season about the improvement to go to that next level. You only lost by a point to Collingwood in that prelim final. You're not far away, but what were some of the, the key learnings out of the back end of the season? It's an interesting one. I think we were really happy with our game style, but one of the things was it, it, clearly when you don't play um, the way you want to in, in a big final, it probably means that the style is not really in game um, yet, so Players can fall back into habits that they had for many a year before we got up here. So, um, you know, we tried to change a game style completely, which takes a little bit of time. So, really, we've just gone back to, um, to what it is that made us in that last half of the year and, and just tried to get stronger at getting to the what makes it work and, um, you know, getting the guys to understand it's not just about A to B or X's and O's, but the detail around that. Um, so, our education this year has been you know, pretty pretty deep with regards to the whys and the, the consequences when you don't play like you want to play and um, or be where you're meant to be. So it's really been around game style um, just to make sure that 
that we uh, we're always doing what we we want to and when we want to. So it's it's a complicated answer, I guess, but it's um, it's more about just getting ingrained in our players. Ben, what about this preseason? I feel like every preseason with all codes, you get a good look at the individual and, and you see the growth or the change or the maturity of certain players. Who is it at the Giants that stood out for you, and and, and who can we expect, I guess, to to then go uh, that extra step this season? Yeah, it's interesting. There's been growth in all of them. Yeah, but. Um, me looking after the midfield, I think uh, Finn Callahan is a young player. I think got some real belief. I don't know what happened last year, and his growth has been strong. And you know, I think he's starting to realise that he can make the, the, the boys on the inside. Tom Green continues to, to go. He had a fantastic year last year, but you know, you can see his drive is is really gone to another level. So James Peatling he didn't play a lot of footy for us um, apart from earlier in the year, but he um, certainly is. Come back to preseason with a, you know, a, a steely resolve to, to improve and, and make his mark in this side. So there's just a few, but there's a, a lot of guys. Harry Himmelberg going very well. Um, you know those guys. Um, Toby Green, even to be fair, the way he rocked up at, at preseason, he's, uh, you know, looks like he's on a mission. So that's where we thought we we're going to get our improvement from those guys who had who had been around for a while and they still improve. So. Exciting times, Can I ask you about one in particular, Ben? Uh, and he was a former number one uh, draft pick, Aaron Cabin. He played a couple of games last year, but have you seen the growth that you're looking for in him? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, big guys like that and, and being a high draft um, pick as well, they, they do take a little bit of time, but he's gone to work really hard with Jeremy Lather, our forwards coach, and, you know, he's uh, he's grown. He's put some, some muscle on, some size on with He's not a big body, but he does follow up pretty well. So he had some of that strong into his game, which he has. Um, Well, Ben, we really appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll check in throughout the season. Jared Duffy, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mido. We have a host of NBA, and there's NBL on tonight as well. So there's what have you got certain, for us? There certainly is. Actually, tonight, Cairns hosts Tasmania. That should be a good clash. The Taipans, 240. Uh, the Jack Jumpers, 155. A line there of three and a half points. We've got tomorrow night's matchup as well. The Kings in Adelaide, and they're a backable price. The Kings, 173. Adelaide, 210. Uh, plenty of games on today, as you mentioned, Jared. And I'll just uh, go through a couple of these moves. Washington, they're big outsiders, but they've been 680 into five to beat the Clippers, uh, who were a dollar and 15. Now that line has moved from 12 into 10. Miami were the outsiders at two dollars. They're now into a dollar 73. Sacramento 215, a line of two and a half points, and easily the biggest move of the day. And you're normally on the reason for these moves. Uh, Oklahoma City were 185. They're into dollar 48 now to beat Denver, who are out to 270 and the line there of five points. Well, there's no way Jokic can be playing. No, no, no the way. market would suggest that. Yeah, Daff, uh, first one day tomorrow night, Aussies v the West Indies. Yeah, hasn't moved all week, Clarky. Yeah, okay. They seem a big price. The West Indies mm. at five dollars fifty. Obviously, they're missing the gun bowler. Yeah, um, but five fifty Australia at dollar eighteen. Uh, the test match tomorrow, there's plenty of interest in this. India v England on the back of the first test. And India $1.52, draw unwanted at 10. 
uh, and England at $3.10. And we've got a, a Marsh One Day International today, uh, which has just opened, by the way. It uh, gets underway at 2 o'clock. WA taking on the Blues and WA $1.70, New South Wales two fifteen. What about in the Asian Cup, DAF? How are we tracking? But also the EPL. Um, and I'm just looking at the scoreline here at half time. Spurs are down. Are they? Yep, Brentford are in front, 1-0. Well, that's not good news. We've got a couple of matches in the EPL tomorrow. Uh, at 6.30, West Ham 2.30, draw 3.60, Bournemouth at 2.70. And at 7.15, Wolves 2.70, uh, draw 3.40, Man United at 2.50. So a couple of good ones tomorrow. The Asian Cup, now, this match gets underway 2.30am Sunday morning. We put Australia up at 3.10, uh, but straight away there's been money for South Korea to beat us. Uh, 2.30 into 2.20. The Socceroos 3.30, and we've got a draw there at 3.10. So plenty of markets already open on that one, but there's a little bit of an early drift there against Australia, Loz. There's two Group 1s at Albion Park tonight, and the Greyhound staff, you're... Yeah. Uh, there, you're an aficionado, so what's going on? Well, there's a bit of a sensation in the gold bullion final. 250000 to the winner here. Uh, the favourite, JSJ, of course, won the, the million-dollar chase at Wentworth Park uh, late last year. He's out. He's got a sore toe, so he's out. And uh, all of a sudden, the Victorian Morton's favourite there at $3. Bears Bullet, uh, she's won a group one. She's the local star. She's got uh, the red 370 magistrate at $6. Uh, the Zamets uh, have got three in that final. Um, uh, JSJ was one of the ones that they had in, but unfortunately he's out. So that reduces them to three hopes. And uh, the other race tonight, the Gold Cup, is over the longer trip. And Tommy Zavallis, well, he's got two in the sprint final. He's got four in this particular final. It's a wide-open affair. The local star, Val Policella, um, New South Wales owned but locally trained. She's the three dollar ten favourite. So just on that, Jared, Sky Racing Active full coverage tonight of the entire meeting, and we'll have a lead in uh, leading into each race a minute or two on Sky as well. So plenty of information around tonight, and for the listeners in the area, it's free entry. Might as well come down and have a look at some of the best on offer. Why not? And I'm just having a quick look at that market for the Hunter Cup. We had the yeah, Barry dollar, Is he a dollar forty? Dollar forty leap to fame. Yeah, yeah. There's been no real change since the barrier draw. There, he's obviously he's the Queenslander as well. I think he's making his way down uh, today. Uh, it looks to be at his mercy, but stranger things have happened. But uh, he's been so impressive the last two weeks at Albion Park, albeit against weaker opposition. Um, Inter Dominion champion just believe goes round in the heat of the Great Southern as well. So the two Inter Dominion stars on on uh, display at uh, uh, not Wentworth Park, Melton on Saturday night. And just confirming that yes, Nikola Jokic is out. Okay. So that uh, explains why the Denver Nuggets have got so far out in the market in that NBA game against the Thunder later this morning or today. Uh, Jared, you have a fantastic day and weekend. Will do. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. We've got Chris Whitaker, the Waratahs assistant coach, coming up shortly. Uh, just these Premier League games in progress. Manchester City and Burnley. It is 2-0 at halftime. Uh, City ahead. Brentford, 1-0 against Tottenham at Tottenham. Halftime in that match as well. And Liverpool and Chelsea at Anfield this morning is currently scoreless. 19 minutes into that match. So we've got these midweek Premier League matches going. Yes, Loz, you look like you want to say something, no? No. 
No? Why did I look like I wanted to say something? Just took a very big deep breath. I thought, you know, it was something you wanted to just impart. sucking the air in. Mm. Just breathing. So you're all good. Just breathing. Just, breathing. Yeah. just trying to just be keep to be doing here. that, son. Happy to be here. Uh, now, we're uh, going to talk some rugby. And uh, obviously a tumultuous 2023 in Australian rugby. So hopefully positive times ahead. We've seen Joe Schmidt appointed as the next Wallabies coach. And we've got a Super Rugby Pacific season not too far away. And joining us is the Waratahs assistant coach, Chris Whitaker. Chris, a very good morning. How are you? Good, boys. How are you? Really well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Now, uh, just I mentioned that tumultuous 2023. I'm particularly interested, I guess, in the mindset of those Wallabies, Chris, who've returned to your squad after the World Cup. They're really good, actually. Um... Yeah, I think they've come in really motivated to uh, to do things right um, and to get rugby back on, you know, back on track to where it should be going. Um, they're disappointed in how it went along the World Cup. I think they actually came back pretty embarrassed. So, um, you know, they're keen to get back in there and, and rip in. So they've been leading the way here. So it's been really good for us. you got a trial against the Rebels on Saturday in Melbourne. What are you looking to get out of it? Is they, I guess they're playing their first game as well after going into voluntary administration. Yeah, they are. Um, they've recruited really well. You know, they've got probably one of the strongest teams in Australia at the moment. Um, you know, that's our first hit out, their first hit out. So just really trying to get some some contact, um, some fitness, and and looking at a few things. Obviously, not going to show too much, but um, you're just trying to get some combinations going. But uh, we've got we're close to not a full deck, but we're getting guys back in after a long pre-season, but uh, hopefully by round one, we should have most people on deck by then. Chris, the Tars, you finished sixth last year, but there's always higher expectation on on your your, your, your team. When you reviewed last year, where's the improvement coming? What's the squad look like? Is it different to last year? Have, what have you recruited? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we recruit up front a little bit. So we've got Big Miles, big second rower, Amaterosi, uh, big second rower. He's come back from France. Actually, an Aussie kid. He's come back from France. Uh, Fergus Lee Warner up up front as well. Another back row second row. Um, so we're looking pretty good there. Um, you know, I think the other big one is probably Angus Bell as well up front. Um, you know, he, he got injured in that first game last year, and we missed him probably all season. Um, so I think if if we can keep everyone on deck. Um, you know, we've got a really strong, really strong outfield. I think we've never, never really had too many issues with the back line. I mean, we've got plenty of strike power there with uh, Max Jorgensen and Marky Noonan and Tawase uh, and, you know, Izzy Parise and guys like that. So uh, plenty of strike strike power in the backs. Um, so we can get some, some ball. I think uh, I think we should be all right. How is young Max? How's his knee? Yeah, no, he hasn't been back training. His knee, he's actually broke his leg. Yeah, he broke his ankle wow. over in the World Cup. So... Um, as I said before, that we even Mark, uh, Mark he, he hasn't been training this yet either. So hopefully them two start filtering in the next couple of weeks uh, and, and are ready by round one. So we had a few little hangovers, little injuries from the World Cup and things like that, which you've got to get right in the pre-season, in the off-season. So uh, as I said, there's a few of those boys that are dribbling back into the entertaining now. So uh, hopefully the timing works out and they're, they're right for round one. Uh, Chris, what were the, the main things? I, I guess all fans, all supporters of the Waratahs, we've got our opinions on areas that we need to improve, but from within, with inside the camp, which is most important, what were the main areas that um, that you guys needed to focus on after last season? Uh, if I was honest with you, I think we probably got a little bit too structured and a little bit too okay. 
um, in the way we're doing things. I think we've got so many good natural footy players in our team that, um, and you look at most of our good attacking options last year. It was, it was a lot of it was from just the boys playing footy and unstructured. Obviously, giving them some type of idea and what they they want to do. But yeah. Um, yeah, when you've got guys like Izzy Parise and Marky and Diogo out there, you want to give them as much ball as you can and as much free range as they can. So, um, is it easier to make that change, Chris? No, it's not. It's probably yeah. harder to coach that that way. Yeah, I think I giving structure and telling them what to do is a lot easier way to coach because mm. it's obviously. Yeah, I mean, it, you can be really precise in how you do it. Yeah. So you got to, you got to, you know, I mean, have a little bit of trust there, um, and give them a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of ownership on, on what they're doing out there. So um, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress. But um, yeah, it's funny. Eddie Jones was actually talking about last year about how the game is becoming so structured. It's actually easier now to to defend against a team that's actually quite structured because you can work out what they're doing. Mm. Um, so it's the teams that you know, play off cuff, like the French. Uh, actually, the Kiwis do it a fair bit as well. Um, they're probably the harder ones to defend. Do you think it's a big year for rugby, Chris, coming off the back of what the Wallabies did last year? And there seems to be doom and gloom around the game. Is that part of the responsibility of the the franchises to play some good rugby to get everyone back excited about the game? Or is it, don't worry about that, just worry about what we do in this super rugby comp? No, I think so. I think it's. I think we speak about it here. Yeah, I mean, we've got to do. You know, a lot of it's on our shoulders to to perform. Uh, and I, you know, it's like you go to Europe, and then there's no issues with the game up there. The international game, there's no issues. Um, you know, they're getting twenty thousand, thirty thousand people to a three nil game up there. Hmm. Uh, but down in Australia, I think you, you do. You need to play some entertaining rugby, um, and it is. It's, it's as much as winning is about entertaining. So. Um, you know, it's like anything in Australia. It's, it, it's hard to compete with other sports, but uh, you know we've got to put on a good show to get people in and, and get people back in us again. Mark Nawakwanatwasi, you mentioned. I mean, how surprised were you, Chris, that you know he made the decision to go to rugby league in the Roosters at the end of this season? And you know, how do you think he'll go? Oh, mate, he's a freak athlete. Um, yeah, very similar to um, Joe Suwali. You know, they're the same build, uh, probably the very same skill set. So, um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how he goes. He's obviously, he's matured massively in the last two years. You've seen, you know, what he's done at the Wallaby level. Um, he's always had that freakish nature to be, able to, to be able to do things that a lot of guys can't do. But I think he's really matured and he's grown into his body. He's getting bigger and stronger. Um, mate, it'd be really interesting to see how he goes. I think he'll kill it in rugby league. But um, we're sad to see him go. Uh, but... That sport these days, isn't it really? Especially in such a competitive market in Australia where guys will come and go. So, you know, there's no grudges from us. Just generally, what are your thoughts on the appointment of Joe Schmidt there as Wallabies coach? Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. It was good. Um, yeah, he's come from, you know, some pretty successful setups. Um, you know, obviously coming from Ireland and going to New Zealand. Um, I think, you know, what he's going to have to do with his is probably going to be slightly, slightly different. I think we're going through a bit of a change in how we do things over here with the whole centralisation that trying to get one on board. So uh, I don't think it will be as smooth sailing as he had it in Ireland uh, and New Zealand, but uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can get all aligned and, and get on the same page to, to help the Wallaby team as much as we can. With that then, Chris, that centralisation that you talk about, what, what are the benefits to the Wallabies and... What are you handing over to them? Well, it's not so much handing over. It's more of a trust. It's more working together. Yeah, I mean, I think we're still going to be doing our own things. Uh, it's sharing ideas. Um, 
you know, it's coming up probably the best practices. I mean, if you look at all this, all this, the way everyone does things in Australia, someone, one team will do a breakdown different to the next team to how they do something different here, a technical thing, a tactical thing. Um, so I just think if you get more aligned and share ideas, I think the better. I think, you know, even when you go to New Zealand, we'll play a team in New Zealand and after the game, we'll talk strategy and tactics we've got with the Kiwi coaches. Uh, they're so open to sharing things and ideas, whereas, you know, I find in Australia, as much as good blokes, uh, all the other coaches, and you know, we all get on. It's very much a, a guard what you do type top of uh, type of scenario there. So I think the more we can open it up and share our ideas, and you know, have the the sole focus of, of having winning Australian teams, I think the better. And I guess the fact it's 150 years of rugby in New South Wales, so that gives some motivation to the province as well, Chris. Yeah, 100%. A big year for us. Obviously, we've had some ex-players, ex-coaches come in and talk to us, uh, trying to. You know, show the the boys here that you know the history of the club here and uh, how important it is to the team is to not just the public but the people who've been here before. So yeah, it's a pretty big year for us. Have you had the Channel Ten Sports reporter in there? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that he was in here not long ago, and uh, one of the kids in here goes, "What's the Channel Ten reporter?" <laughs> <laughs> Did he say he I went love Berkey. Didn't he, he, he say he went oh, to like the that. local park at yep. Newport oh, and, right. and, and tried to give a kid some tips? <laughs> if he shattered, <laughs> if he shattered Berkey. Oh, no. <laughs> and the kid no, he, he's been in here all the time. He's always on the phone. But he loves this joint. Um, oh. And he's, he's a true legend around here. Oh, I love it. Good on you, Chris, mate. Enjoy the season. Yeah, thanks, guys. Chris Whitaker there. The season starts in Super Rugby Pacific, Friday, Feb 23. And it starts with the Chiefs and Crusaders and the Rebels and the Brumbies that evening in the Force and the Hurricanes. And on Saturday, Feb 24 at Suncorp, it is the Reds and the Waratahs. That is round one, but uh, some trials starting this weekend. And to say it is, I feel like we've said it for four years. Big year for rugby. Big year for rugby. <laughs> this is a big year after the disaster of last year. But you can rule a line under that. Can only get better. I'm going to watch a bit of this Surely. documentary coming up on the stand, actually, just to see what was going on with Eddie in behind the scenes. Because mm. it, I mean, honestly, could it have gone worse? No, I don't think anyone anticipated it going the way it did. Uh, well, we'd like to think life can always get worse. So, yeah, I think be careful what we wish for. But in, I know what you're in saying. Sp- in sporting I know terms. what you're saying. It was a disaster. Oh, oh mate. Yeah. Well, there was plenty was of optimism, a... wasn't there? There was plenty oh, of hope. Well, I think everyone, all, like we were on board. We, we fell into the trap as well. Mm. Uh, we, we put our faith in one person and thought, you know what? We, we're going to... Mm. We're going to back and support. But I think that's what you're meant to do as a fan as well. I think that's what you you ask of your fans to put that trust in you as a team or in you as a, as a leader. Um, but, yeah, how things have panned out, wow. It hasn't been a great look for all of rugby, let's put it that way, without making it individual. Okay, we're going to continue our look at athletes heading towards, hopefully, the Paris Games this year, not too far away. And our next guest, just 19 years of age, she jumped 1.8 metres, finished 29th at the World Championships in August in Hungary. Before that, she was the Oceania champion in high jump in 2022 and finished fourth in the World Under-20 Championships the same year. So an emerging high jump star in Australian athletics 
Erin Shaw is joining us. Erin, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate your time. What did you take firstly from that experience in Budapest as, you know, such a young athlete going to the world stage at the World Championships? Yeah, it was um, it was an amazing experience, especially to be a part of the Australian team. And so obviously there were all of the Aussie record holders and things like this in the camp. And so, yeah, it was great to just be able to mingle with them, learn from them, see how they kind of cope with such a big competition like that. Um, you know, it was fun. It was great. I loved it. Erin, tell us a little bit about your training and preparation. I find with certainly athletics, you don't do much of what you actually do. So in your uh, in your position, actual high jump, There's in regards to your training, there's so many other things that you need to do before you actually practice your running and your jumping. Tell us a little bit about what goes into your training and some of the areas that you need to be, you know, so disciplined with. Yeah, so um, with high jumps especially, there's just lots of elements. So there's the run, the jump, the power, um, the strength, the timing. So training's kind of to work on all of those elements and then also putting it all together. Um, so we kind of, we only really have one big technical session a week, um, which is putting it all together and doing the jumps. But then around that we do gym, so working on that power and that strength. Um, we do lots of running and lots of run-ups. So practicing uh, running on that bend to get the timing right and stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, lots of different parts that kind of hopefully all come together. Tell us about training and competing with, well, Eleanor Patterson, Nicola Oleslagers and Brandon Stark as well and how they've all helped. Yeah, so I'm very lucky to be in a position where we've got two, three really, really good um, Aussie high jumpers that I can, yeah, look up to and learn from and compete with as well. Um, it's amazing training with Eleanor and Brandon. They're amazing people as well as amazing athletes. And so, yeah, being able to learn from them, things that they do, how they recover, how they prepare mentally for a comp, all those things that um, I think you don't always get to see just from watching them on the TV. Um, that's really cool. And it's also really cool to be watching Nicola and how high she's already jumped this season and, yeah, getting to compete with her in Oz is really cool as well. Erin, yeah, you've got a PB of 1.9 metres. What, what's your, your goal and, and how quickly can you, um, you know, progress up, up the ranks? And I'm assuming one day you'd love to get to two metres and you're on track to, to jump two metres. Yeah, so it's a bit, um, I don't know, like I have obviously goals to reach two metres eventually. Um, everyone's kind of different in high jump, I've found. So some people jump that at 17 and other people jump that at 28. So it's just kind of, yeah, you're on your own journey trying to jump as high as you can on the day. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to PB again this season. I think it's nice to see a progression each season, to see your work kind of come through in that height. But, yeah. Erin, mm. are you studying at the moment? Yeah, I am. I'm doing part-time study at Sydney Uni. How do you get that balance as well? I think that's, again, something that people don't understand or find it hard to to understand how you can manage and as well being, um, you know, the age you are, trying to have a have a life as well and spend time with friends. How do you, how do you manage the, um, the training around the study and, and the social life? Yeah, um, it's not always easy, um, especially when you're overseas competing yeah. and then also trying to do uni in a different time zone. And 
I'm doing an exercise science degree, and so there's obviously practical elements to that, which is hard to do overseas. Um, but I really enjoy it. I feel like it gives me something to do outside of athletics, um, takes my mind off things. Yeah, it's a different aspect of my life, and I really enjoy doing that. So I think it's just, yeah, communicating with the uni and um, my coach to just try and organise that the best way we can so that I can do both really well. How did you get started in high jump? And um, yeah, where, where, did you, where did your love of it come from? Um, so growing up, I was always a really sporty kid. I just loved sports. I loved being active, probably a bit too active at times. But um, yeah, like I did swimming and dance mainly as a young kid. And it wasn't until high school in through school athletics um, that I kind of realized, oh, I, I like high jump and I'm not too too bad at it and so that's when I started to kind of progress it wasn't until about year nine I would say yeah it's a pretty quick progression though for you yeah I think it's been a little bit up and down but yeah no it's been good so what does the next few months look like Erin in trying to get to the Paris Games um try and jump as high as possible really (laughs) um when is like the quality qualifying and when will you know whether you're in or not um good question i think i think around june is when the qualifying kind of kind of cuts off Mm. and then the world rankings are sorted and then you find out sometime after that um but before that i'll just try and i've got a few really good comps coming up and i'm just going to try and put my best foot forward and jump as high as i can at these comps and then we'll see how it goes To, to make that team then Erin, uh, does it go on world ranking or will it go on you've got to jump a particular height? So there is an automatic qualifier of 197. So if you jump 197, you're in. But then also there's like a point system on world athletics that they rank you in terms of how high you've jumped at certain comps. Um, so certain comps are tiered. Right. And um, yeah, so just figuring out the good comps to go to and try and jump as high as you can at them. By the way, assuming you do go and you're in the athlete's village, can you make sure you rebel against this ridiculous notion of uh, the athletes being kicked out just after they compete? Stay there. (laughs) Enjoy yourself, for goodness sake. Celebrate. (laughs) Celebrate. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, hopefully it's a great year for you, Erin, and we really appreciate your time this morning. We'll be tracking your journey, hopefully, to Paris. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great stuff. Erin Shaw, uh, high jumper to watch, just 19 years of age. And how about that, by the way? Kicking the athletes out. Oh. I think it's 48 hours now after they've competed. I think we had a conversation about it the, the, our first week back when right. you were okay. here. Right. And, yeah, I'm with you 100. I'm off it big time. Seriously. You can't train. Like, celebrating your success is as important in mm. my mind as your success. That, that's a big part of why winning feels so good because you get to celebrate it and celebrate it with your teammates, celebrate it with, in, in uh, an Olympic position. Like there would be nothing better than you've just, you've just achieved your dreams or your goals. You want to celebrate it with other athletes that yeah. have worked just as hard. And then imagine while you're doing that, you get to go and cheer on Another Aussie in a different sport. And the vast majority of them Mate, are amateurs honestly, as well. I, I yeah. don't – like, that's that would be a massive part of why you want to be a part of the Olympics. 
to, to watch other athletes have success, you know, live their journey with them, cheer them on. I reckon it's meet athletes garbage. from other countries. You might, you know, who knows? You might meet your lifelong partner. You might. You actually might. You know, you never know. Some may have. Some may have. Correct. Goals in these Premier League matches. Loz is keeping a close eye on what's going on at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. And after being 1-0 down to the Bees of Brentford mm. at half time, Ange must have given them a rocket, Loz. Well, they've scored three goals in 18 minutes to start the second half. So they're now up 3-1. So we haven't got it on here in the studio. We've got the Chelsea-Liverpool game on. And we and won't be changing it too, by no, the way. No, we won't. But no. um, Liverpool are all over Chelsea. They're leading 2-0 at the moment. But that's a great comeback. From Spurs. From Spurs and yeah. Man City 3-0 over Burnley as well. 68 minutes gone. Alvarez scored twice in the first half. Rodri has scored just after half time uh, for City there. So that's your Premier League games on this morning. Give us a call. 13.53.53 on the text line 0419767272. Michelle at Dubbo. Guys, what three teams do you reckon will be in the bottom three and fighting it out for the spoon this year? I say Dragons, Dogs, Tigers, says Michelle. I think in the week leading up to the season, we'll get our top eights and spoons sorted. I can't disagree with her. Well, I I, I haven't done my top eight yet. But those bottom sides, I I think will improve, but will they improve enough to get themselves out of the bottom four? Like the Tigers, they've got to win more games, don't they? They have to win more games than four. Oh, sure. Dragons have to win more games than five, wouldn't you think? How many more? Well, if you go through a season only winning four or five games, you can't do it the next year, surely. Uh, so, and Canberra's on the third line of betting when you talk most losses, and you know you've been steadfast in defending Mate, they, them being they near that that conversation Mate, at the I, end of the season. I, I can't see them getting anywhere near wooden spoon. I can't see the Dolphins going backwards. They're on the fourth line of betting, ten dollars. No. But some of those top sides won't win as many games. Well, I, I don't think they'll win as many games. But I see like the likes of Manly winning more games. Mm. Like Parramatta, Souths, Cowboys again. They're going to win more games than they won last year. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But I, I think it could be one of those comps where week to week you're going to see upset results. Peter, good morning. Oh, good morning, fellas. How are you going? Really well, thanks. Yourself? That's the way. Look, this is, I won't hold you up, fellas. You're busy men. But I just wanted to thank you very much. They had the um, the launch for the Bonnie Hancock book yesterday. Ah, yes. Which I was, yeah, which I was lucky enough to, to get to. And, and just, um, just a reminder for our listeners, Bonnie, uh, she uh, surf skied around Australia, didn't she? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And thanks to you guys, you gave her plenty of play. Um the good news is that the book's heading towards the um, the Australian bestsellers list. It's only been out 24 hours, so that's a really good thing. But I've sent one down to you, Blacks. Your, your, your capable man in the office has given me an address, so I've sent one down to you. Oh, you're a legend, and, Pete. Thank you. Uh, uh, no, that's, no, that's thank you. That's what I'm ringing for. But um, it's pretty raw, the book, so get ready for it. Um, no. You're, yeah, you're, her uncle, at... you're her uncle, you're her uncle, aren't you, Peter? Yeah, I'm lucky enough to be her yeah. uncle. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. appreciate. I actually read a blurb on the, re- well, the weekend. I think it was in one of the papers about 
when she was in the Great Australian Bite, and they're you know oh, miles yeah. from anywhere. Yeah, and she was you. on the verge of suffering from hypothermia, and you know could have been in a lot of trouble because she couldn't actually. She was worried she wouldn't be able to swim back to the boat, the support boat, yep. at one point. Yeah, yeah she had the dog paddle back. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the book is is this the one, Pete, the girl who touched the stars? That's correct. Is yep. that it? Yep. So yep. at any good bookshop, or they can order online. Yep. If they, they're interested but, in yep. getting it. Yep. Yep. Um, but. Uh, like I said, I've sent you an autographed copy. Don't squabble over it. <laughs> no, we won't. We'll take it. We'll take it in turns of reading it. Hey, listen. Thank you very much to you, fellas. That was bloody brilliant. No, no worries at all, Peter. And thanks so much okay. for sending us a copy as well. And listen, keep up the good job. Whatever you're listening and whatever you're laughing at yourselves, and that's great. People are getting better. Don't worry about that. Good on you, mate. Appreciate it. Good on you, See mate. You, fellas. See you, Peter. See you.